Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is our 14th episode of Money Never Sleeps, a podcast that looks inside the head of entrepreneurs and what makes them do what they do. Money Never Sleeps is kindly sponsored by Top Tier Recruitment, a specialist recruitment consultancy in fintech and financial services. In this episode, we talk to Lisa Smith, founder of EngageSmith, who are focused on increasing staff engagement by bridging the gap between the corporate C-suite and their millennial workforces. This is no small task, as a way that newer entrants to the workforce are motivated and inspired is far different than it was when many business executives started in their industries in the last millennium. Lisa is a bustling combination of intuition, insight, helpfulness, and energy that is extremely infectious, and talking to her just makes you want to go out and change the world. Listen in and see how we can do just that. On with the show. Here we go again. Welcome to the 14th episode of Money Never Sleeps. We're here in the offices of Top Tier Recruitment in Dublin. I'm Pete Townsend. And I'm Owen Fitzgerald. And we're here with Lisa Smith, founder and CEO of Engage Smith. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you. Hi, guys. So you and I met at the Admitivate conference, which seems like I've said this before, our last guest, <laughs> Emerald, we had at Admitivate as well, and Lisa White, who was on episode eight. She was on the future work panel with you at Admitivate. She was. And um, very intrigued to listen to you that day. We talked about things like snowflakes, and Adrian Whelan from Brown Brothers Harriman did a great job. Um, chairing that panel, and shout out to Adrian, who I know is a listener as well. Uh, but for the listeners, maybe just start off by telling us about you, about Engagement, why you're doing what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my journey started, I actually call it the Lisa Simpson moment, because um, even though my name is Lisa Smith, clearly, but <laughs> if you ever have seen that episode where it seemed like they predicted Trump was going to be the president, well, many years ago, I predicted millennials was going to be the top, like, topic ever. Uh, in 2017, it reached number one. And 2018, it's already trending to be number one topic already. So I definitely call it Lisa Smith, like scenario. So Simpsons. Lisa Simpson predicted Trump. Lisa Smith <laughs> predicted the millennial takeover Mania. of the world. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. And, and when I first started to come out with the terminology millennials, people looked at me like I had 10 heads. They were like, what is she talking about? Millennium? How do you say this word? And I'm like, trust me, there's going to be a craze. It's a Robbie Williams song. Totally, yeah. totally yeah. Robbie Williams song. But the good thing about it and the unique thing about it is I am one. So I was like for the first person, like who's a millennial to come up and say, there is like a problem happening right now. It's en route. And I want to help and try and remove this massive craziness that we're going to see. So I started to research and started to work with colleges and started to ask a lot of like students and do surveys across the world. Actually not across the world, it was more Europe based um, because I just looked at it, the stereotype of what was being said about me as well as the hundreds of millions, thousands of us out there, that it was just incorrect. And I was on this mission to try and get the right message out. And also looking at it from a corporate's world, because I also have my parents who are different generations. I obviously played football when I was very young. I was a senior squad when I was 16. So I had a good experience firsthand of dealing with different generations, like older people who I was playing with. And I kind of wanted to share my knowledge and experience to say like, you know what, there, I can completely see why there's an oil and water scenario happening out there. And I want to try and prevent it and, and make something, you know, work that people are educated and they can really benefit from my research. Gotcha. I had to look back at your LinkedIn profile before yeah. we uh, before we started today and just saw a few of the different things that you had done along the way. So yeah. Blue Coat, 
um, Salesforce is in there as well. Yeah. How do you think some of those experiences shaped um, how you got to this point? Actually, Dell was there too. Yeah. Um, it, those had a huge, huge impact to it. I mean, the whole idea of me setting up on my own really came from just having that experience in those multinational companies. I could firsthand see that there was like a lack of leadership. There was something that was not right. You know, my speed or my innovative thinking was not being received correctly. Um, and then working with like high-end customers and, you know, there was one particular customer I remember working with and I could refer to him with his first name. And I was like his only person that was allowed to refer to him with his first name. Really? Honestly. It like, had it to was, be Mr. It was, had to be a Mr. Watson in this case. Um, and he was like 60 odd when I was working with him and I was only 20 and I realized then over time that there was something really unique here. Like, how did he really trust me with his business? Like, it was the biggest deal that, like, the corporation had ever done from an acquisition point of view. So I felt at that point through these large multinational companies that I, I figured out there was a gap. And the gap was there's talented people that need an opportunity to be as great as they can be. Um, so that really gave me the push to go and do it on my own. And what was that decision like where you said, I'm going to do this? How did oh, that happen? Wow. It was actually several cases with great customers in the UK and across in America that put into my brain, say, Lisa, whatever you're doing to package and just sell it. Yeah. Because whatever you have is very unique. Um, and like telling a 20-year-old what that, like, like saying that to a young entrepreneur, it's kind of like how long is a piece of string? Yeah. You don't know where to start. Yeah. So I made a really big decision to go to the UK and get myself self-assessed. That was my first thing. Because not millennials, not many millennials will make that choice. Self-assessed how? Who am I? Yeah. Like, what is my natural abilities? What am I doing? That's quite unique. And that was able to give me a starting point on, on how so to build. So you could package it. Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. And that's the best thing that I ever did was going over and doing that for a few months on myself. So I really invested in who I was first before I made any commitments to any business to say, you know, take a risk on me. And you had done some training when you were at Salesforce, right? You you were providing training to others. Yeah. Or training, so yeah? naturally, I started to take a lot of young people under my wing in, in the job that I did. So I started to create trainings for these people that I thought I were extremely talented. Um, and I just had a really natural ability just to kind of spot rough diamonds and, and, and say, look, I can actually help you. And this is how you do it. And this is the best way to communicate with your frontline management. And, you know, gratefully, I, those people I'm still in touch with that I've trained and, and they've gone on to have great success. So I'm, I'm really thankful that that happened. And I think Salesforce gave me that opportunity to do that too, as well. Yeah. And what, what would you describe as the core value proposition of Engage Smith and, and, and what you do? People. That is like, we, you know, everyone is different. Everyone is very unique. Our strengths that what we do is we focus on the individual. And my job is to find now today with globalization and all this stuff that's happening, it's harder and harder for people to know who they really are. And if I can help them find that, then I'm I'm so happy for that for them to go on and be very successful. So that's really, really the heart of what we do. Okay. And just give us an example of how you would go into a client site and um, start working your magic. Yeah. I mean, it can stem from sports clubs. It can stem from global uh, multinationals. It's the same structure. We don't go in with a one fix for all solution. In actual fact, I'm probably the first person out there who say there is never one solution that fixes the time that we're in. If you're going to go for into a sales organization and you're going to invest a lot of money in a sales solution, you're going to have to replace that in a couple of years time. You need something that's able to adapt to the big changes that we're seeing so quickly now in this world of globalization. 
we start from the top. You know, we, we, we got to get the trust over from our CEOs. Likelihoods, um, they're in a different generation. So a millennial coming into a baby boomer and telling them that they need to change their organization somewhat can be quite challenging. Mm -hmm. But once they see why our research is backed and, and what we're doing is to be so effective, once we get a buy-in from them, we then go straight to the bottom. We need to see what the what the bottom line are doing. Who's your salespeople? They're the people that are on the call to your to your customers. They're basically the face of your business. And we have to make sure that both sides are on the same page when it comes to a message. And likelihood is ninety nine point nine percent they're not. You know, the top have a different core value or they have a different view of the way their business wants to go. And at the bottom. Some of them just want to be just that number and, and only want to be here for a short term. But there's also a few of them that want to have a career and it's just making sure that they're aligned, which we don't see very often. And how much pushback do you get for, at the top level? That is, I mean, I always love challenges. I always love when someone gives me a bit of pushback. And if someone didn't, I'd probably encourage them to give me some pushback um, because it's their baby. It's their, it's their operation. It's their business. And anyone that comes into their business, they should take with, you know, quite seriously, the same way if anyone came to my business. We, in the first year of trading, we would have had quite a lot of pushback. Um, like anyone who's starting off to become an entrepreneur or thinking about it, don't be fooled to think that it's all roses and it's beautiful in the first few years. It's very, very tough. I think when you get to year three and you're still trading and you're still doing something correctly, people start to accept you a bit better. Yeah. And I found that transition dramatically in my third year doing business, that people who laughed at me in my first year then came back and said, we would like to do some business or can we have some insights from you, Lisa, to help us? Yeah, and it's wonderful when they start paying you for it as well. <laughs> this is it. I mean, I, one of the things I regularly talk about is, you know, one of my traits is, is obviously I'm very passionate about people, but that can be a downfall too, because I can almost do it for free, where you have to learn as a young woman that you have to put a value on your service. And sometimes asking somebody... Oh, it's hard to it's do. It's so hard to do. It's so to hard do. to do because you, you, you just... Natural helpfulness means, means oh, you just want to give it all away. You just want to hug and just say, right? this is it. I can sort you out, but um, this is your best route to success. But at the same time, you you got to fixate on, on remembering your, your bottom line too. And it's hard to be honest and genuine at the same time as not being consultant speak, yes. right? And, and that you're, you're trying to say, listen, I'm going to give you the high level yeah. you know, of what we could do together, but yeah. I'm not going to give you too much so that you you can go do it yourself or oh. go do it with somebody else. You've just nailed it. I mean, a lot of people can come in. There's a fine line between an agony ant and then being somebody who has something really unique for someone to buy your service. Um, I'm definitely not a consultant. I'm a researcher. And I'm a researcher with pride. And I'm a researcher that if I'm going to give you any resources or any of my information, it's going to benefit your business. A lot of people may be threatened by that in particularly human resources because we see those areas growing um and the first thing i got to do when i when i meet a business is say look i'm not a threat i'm just an added expertise that should make your team look better and once they get over that they really do value us and, and they see us as an extension to their team one of the interesting things that i read that either you wrote or that you referred to uh on social media somewhere was that millennials don't want to be led they want to be empowered and inspired yeah right? definitely um, where did you get that empowerment from and that inspiration from? Hmm. <laughs> a fellow millennial, actually. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surrounding myself with millennials all the time. So a lot of times when I'm coming out with knowledge or quotes to try and help people, it's, it's coming from their voice, actually. 
And something that I don't find millennials have is somebody to say, that's not us. And I'm, I'm a real advocate and ambassador to try and get that right message out. So 100% still today, you'll see everybody talking about leaders, uh, leadership. And it's one thing that I zoom in and say, what do you think a definition of a leader is? Because it doesn't match what the millennials or the Gen Z think. So again, communication and wording is just, it's just, it's not on par, it's not on point. No, and you see it a lot, like people want to be, especially younger, the younger generation, they're mission led, you know, oh, yeah. it's the purpose, they want to believe in what they're doing. And I think, you know, thinking, thinking back to when I left college and went into work, like you have no idea what you want to do or oh. what you might even be good at, you at know, all. so you, yeah. even at the very least, if you can believe in the whatever company or what they're doing or the journey you're on, at least that'll allow you to stay. Because otherwise people will be changing job all the time because they just seeing. don't know. You know? We're yeah. seeing a turnaround of eight months in Ireland on average. And then we have companies now saying, these, these kids are crazy. I'm like, it's not. It's because you, you really don't know what your audience wants. Oh, yeah. And of course they don't because the audience don't even know what they want. So we need to put the responsibility back onto the corporate worlds and say, if you want excellence from them, you have to understand their world first. And that's why you need to get an expert in. And it's, you know, gone, I believe, are the times where, you know, you serve your time in a yeah. role. I, I worked in a bank before and I got promoted in my first 12 months in the job. I did like a really good job, you know, unexpectedly well. And then after that, I was told, well, you know, it'll be five years till I get promoted again. I'm yep. like, okay, great. I think I lasted maybe a year and a half after that. But again, because, you know, be, <laughs> being told that, you know, that's that shouldn't be how it goes. You should, you know, if you push yourself at something and deliver something, you should at least be able to potentially see the benefit. Or if you're doing it for the greater good of the company, you yeah. should be rewarded for that, not Absolutely. told to wait your turn. Or even you know. giving you a realistic expectation before you even get to that point. You know, I think you, you have a choice then to make, do I want to stay here for two and a half years or do I want to go to a company that's going to invest in me? You know, so... It's the same in sport, though. We see the exact same thing in sport. It's, it's common denominators between whether it's an organization of corporate or if it's, a, if it's a sporting analogy. It's the exact same. You know, you work, you don't want to sit on the bench. You want to be in the, in the, in the, you know, the first starting 11 or starting 15 if it's GAA. Um, and you work twice as hard and it's not being notified and the coaches aren't communicating correctly. It's, it's the exact same analogy. We see it everywhere. Is this a one-by-one one thing or can you reach the masses? Oh, we go mass. We, we, you know, our programs are being built and tested on masses um, because I want to try and impact as many people as possible. Sometimes, in some cases, we've had um, HR or CEO uh, tell us about a problematic uh, millennial. And then I go and spend some time one-to-one -one with that millennial and realize this person's overdoing her strength and it's coming across negative. So we can actually prevent someone from from going down the wrong avenue as well. So it's just about educating and teaching people who have the empowerment with these millennials and Gen Zs. And talk then about, because it's not obviously a one size fits all. I know we talked about this before you came on. Um, where is the challenge then in terms of scaling, you know, even the business and talking to an organization about a, gr a, a group of people conscious that they're all individuals? Yeah, absolutely. And we... Again, we're an added source to an already talented workforce. So you've hired somebody in HR to do a job. They're obviously well capable of doing a job. However, they probably haven't got the time to research like I do 24-7. So what we do is we just give the knowledge that allows them to make decisions based on their company organization. We're not going to make them for them, but we can certainly give them advice, but we'll provide them with the latest research and the latest knowledge. If they're struggling in a particular area, they can certainly ask us to come in and, and do a diagnostic on that area. 
How is that research developing and, and where are the sources? Uh, people talk to me about, well, you want to go research crypto assets, for example, yeah. Twitter. Yeah. That's going to be your best source for it, right? Because things are changing minute yeah. by minute. Yeah. yeah. Right? Where do you where do you start? Well, I, I start at the bottom. I, I mean, I'm focusing on, on Gen Zs at the minute because I've got an awful lot on, on millennials. Um, it's just getting into little clubs and, and schools and, and talking to these kids yeah. and seeing the trends and seeing, you know, why are they addicted to these apps that create dwarfines? You know, why are they really addicted to it? And coming in and looking at it from an observation and an expertise by talking to hundreds of thousands to say, ah, now I get it. They're looking for X, Y, and Z. Now, if they're getting that now, they're going to look for that in the future. So let's get prepared for this. Oh yeah. It's, it's that like button that does so much for your confidence. Huge. I mean, Snapchat is, I use this constantly as, as an example. I use the filters. I wouldn't be able to go on Snapchat without a filter now because I put it on and go, oh my God, my skin looks amazing. And then I take it off and I'm like, who is that ugly person? So naturally, everybody starts to dislike themselves because of these dwarfines on Instagram and Snapchats and not to mention the stuff that the Gen Zs are using. Um, so it's again, it's, it's a world of craziness, but it has to be managed correctly. And, and you know, parents and corporate worlds have that. But it's that, it's that immediate kind of, you know, validation. You know, yes. I'll put a picture up and people will like it. You know, that's what, pe- that's what people, but that's what yeah. people expect in their life. But yet you go into like a corporate environment and it could take 12 months for your work to get recognized or, you Imagine know, your that. project could be Imagine two years. That. Like, those, you know, there's Shocking. that gap between people's daily life and their understanding and their personal validation versus the corporate environment. Yeah. And it's, and you know, what we see the biggest transition from that point from college or non-college going forward and that's where the education needs to come in yeah that's where the psychology contract versus the reality contract needs to really be strengthened because a lot of people are coming in and looking you know i won't mention companies names but you could look at the biggest companies corporate i really want to work for that company and then they get in and realize this is not what i thought i was going to be doing yeah it's not cool so and that just goes back to you know the psychology versus the reality and where do you see it going in the next five years? You talked about Generation Z. Um, I've learned to say Z now after mm-hmm. 12 years instead of Z, um, <laughs> especially when speaking in Ireland. And tomato, I've got that down. <laughs> Although my kids make fun of me for the way I say it. Um, but if you were to look five years ahead, what, you know, what do you see happening? My end goal is to impact as many kids as possible okay. in the positive way. My, whether it's with sports or it's, it will still have people that ask me to go and speak in events and do public speakings. I really want to focus on the problem that we're seeing is Ireland is now number four in the world for suicide rates between the generations that I, that I research. And that's a very concerning thing for me. Uh, I really want to focus on mental health and well-being yeah. of these individuals that Anything that I'm contributing should have, hopefully, a very positive impact to, to what we're seeing in very serious cases. And I think, like, you know, it's been obvious for a long time, but it's only slowly becoming obvious now in organisations whereby they have to take into account the person and, you know, their background and their life and all of that. Because reality is, if you give them that leeway, like, they'll reward you. So I've worked in plenty of organisations whereby... You know, you'll do the work because they know that if something happens or you needed to time off or whatever, like, you know, they'll work with you on that because they know that, like, it isn't a nine to five thing anymore. As long as the work gets done, you know, you should have the flexibility then or your organization should give you that flexibility to 
you know, Have take that time or whatever. Yeah. 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 And, and it, I'd right. say at least on five of the episodes of the shows we've done now, uh, the topic of mental health has come up, um, in terms of entrepreneurs, yes. right. And how they keep themselves sane Yes. and how do you keep those down days from, uh, taking over and saying, well, those down days, just let them happen because it makes the good days that much better. Um, do you have those down days and what do you do to, to pick yourself back up? Everybody has those down days. I mean, it could be a case of just missing a re- missing a green light on, the, on a drive home. Crazy bad, bad day. <laughs> you missed a green Honestly, light. Honestly, oh, that God, sucks. Why, is, why am I getting all the red? Or the person in front home? of me is missing the green light. I'm like, and my wife is like, don't beep. You may know that person. I'm like, <laughs> we get so upset about the smallest things because it's such a fast paced world right now. Yeah. So it, it's something that you have to be educated on how to manage. Is it harder? I suppose because I would. I'm imagining that it'd be harder for you. Because yours is a, it's a bigger picture, mm-hmm. you know, so your stress of, you know, what you're working on is a stress for like a generation of people. It's yeah. not just, you know, a couple of people on your team in an office sort of yeah. thing. It's you're worrying about the mental health of hundreds of thousands of people yeah. sort of thing. So it's a big deal or it probably feels like a big weight a lot of the time. Yeah, I've got to be very conscious, especially on my own social media platforms that um, I certainly don't ever if I ever put a filter up I let everyone know it's a filter um I try and show a bit more of a personality to me but it's very hard to do because as an entrepreneur there's a perception that you have to have a certain level where I know from research they want to see the person but um that's just a journey I have to go on on myself but you're absolutely right there's there's a lot of a lot of pressures if I say the wrong thing and sometimes when I do these college tours and I, and I walk around and I've got hundreds of millennials and gen heads sitting in front of me and I tell them, you guys are really are the biggest pain because if I asked you, do you know who I am? Half of them would say no. You don't even know that somebody out there is dedicating their whole livelihood to try and make you guys have better path in whatever you do or try and give you an environment that's correct or try and have a voice for something that you don't even know about yet. Where if I was to ask you about an influencer with loads of Botox, they'd probably know about that person. Yeah. So it's really, it's a really challenging thing for me because I know them so well, almost too well. Which is funny because um, I, myself and my wife uh, highlighted to me this Bloggers Unveiled uh, oh that God. I follow on Instagram. Everyone which was me for a while. Which <laughs> is hilarious. But it, like, you know, that person, whoever it is, is trying to do good, yeah. you know, and uh, it's this Instagram uh, account which calls out influencers when they're not telling the truth about stuff so okay. you know yeah. it might be a sponsored post but that person hasn't yeah. made it clear that it's an ad sort of thing or donald trump <laughs> perhaps yeah yeah, or, yeah. Um, but what's, happened, you, what's views, happened is that views are my own folks <laughs> what's happened is that somebody like they've wrongly identified this person but that person's mm-hmm. getting death threats and stuff like that because yeah, you know people are not happy at their livelihood that they're faking effectively is being called out by somebody you know, and wow. yet these people would have hundreds of thousands of followers and they're not. So that person's been unveiled now? No, no. Oh, they haven't they have been. No. Okay. Still. The Great Stig. Yeah. Yeah. See, does that mean anything to you? No. Yeah. Now, what was the name of the show? Oh, is that the uh, car? Top Gear. Top My wife brought me to a show when I first moved to Ireland 12 years ago and the Great Stig walked out and everybody laughed and I'm like, who's that guy? No, he's He's so famous. Yeah. That's a good Halloween costume, actually. No filter for that one. 
you, you talk about working with kids, right? Yeah. Um, I got a call yesterday from someone that was running a big event and said, listen, we've got 40 C-suite people coming to this event. They're each paying 4,000 uh, pounds. Would you like to uh, pay 20,000 pounds to sponsor it? And I said, thanks, but no thanks. Um, having an audience of 40 C-suite executives, now that's just marketing. They yeah. said that to me. But if you actually had 40, say, CEOs in a room mm-hmm. of multinationals yeah. that you all had, that you had as an audience for a few minutes, yeah. what would you say to them? Adapt these massive changes. They think of your kids. It's like a lot of times when I, if I, if I can relate with a CEO or somebody with authority to That's it. just get them it, to t- talk about their kids and think about, about their, their kids. kids because a lot of times they don't even know the challenges their kids have. And a lot of them would say, I know my kids better than anyone else. And then I present them with something or I, I show them some cases and they go, that's not my kid. It is your kid because yeah. your kid is among this. Yeah. So sometimes an actual fact, because think of parenting today is a lot closer than what it was a few decades ago. Like when I was a kid, my mom and dad would say, go out and play and come back when it's dark. Yeah. You know, swing out <laughs> trees and it's like, yeah. we're like, now you don't everyone, have that. Everyone knows the fears. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you hurt yourself, well, you won't know not to do that again the next time. Where now it's just, it's like helicopter parenting has just come back in. But that's to do with the recession and, and two parents having to go back to work and hard times of where you live. And, and there's a lot of things that come into factor with that. But it's that knowledge of being able to sit in front of them and say, today is very tough for kids. And if you've got to look at the mental issues and the seriousness of what it is, that's just my, that's what I study. This is what I research on these kids. And I'm, I have this challenge and I'm trying to educate you all on it. it this could be your kid. Yeah. Where's the line though, I suppose, trying to play devil, devil's advocate yeah. a bit, you know, cause I see it in, with my own kids and, uh, this idea of everyone gets a medal for being in the race sort yeah. of thing, you know, on one hand I get it. On the other hand, I'm like, no, that's just ridiculous because that's not reality. And where is the line between, you know, trying to like adapt an organization to deal with the, the challenges that face the millennials versus, you know, just suck it up sort yeah. of thing. God, if only it was that easy. No, I know, <laughs> no, but you know. No, no. See, I mean, I use that analogy all the time about, you know, sports day. And you get, a, like, a medal for just participating. Like, it's crazy. Great. You yeah. don't get a medal in work for Honestly, turning up. It's just you crazy. Know, so, but again, where's, where's the line and how do you balance that then? The line is the professional world is different from reality. And they don't know how to define the difference. They don't, they don't know the difference between a non-professional and then. They're bringing their culture and style of their living into an organization and I think to get that, fun, a lot of organizations have really adapted too much, I think, to to their style, to kind of give them everything that they want, Yeah. where it doesn't allow, their, they need structure. They need to be told they're not good enough for something to be better. Mm-hmm. Like they do need it. So some of the strong attributes that we see in older generations are really, really beneficial for today's generation, generations to be actually really successful. Um, one of my old tricks and one of my old, my old sayings is treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Like that goes back to my morals of, of who I am. And when I went off and got myself self-assessed, I found that I had a lot more in, in, I had a lot more in common with older generations than I thought I did. Just on that, um, you talked about before, before we started about your twin sister. Yeah. Uh, f- 24 minutes apart. Yep. And you talked about personality traits. Yep. Um, and differences between you and her. Yeah. And what were some of those personality traits that have stood out that you think have driven you towards what you're doing right now? I was I was definitely the twin that never cried. Okay. So she got all the attention. 
all the attention. So I was very independent very quickly as a kid. And as a twin, if there's any any other twins out there, um, there's always that one twin that, you know, doesn't have to get handheld to the potty all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely my sister. Okay. I was so heavily involved in sport when I was a kid. Um, so much, in fact, that it became my family. I was six days a week. Competitive. Competitive. Yeah. And um, I found myself really picking sports over anything else. And I like to think the differentiator between herself and myself would be I have an outward look where she's got more of an inward look. And is that what you've commercialized? Is that what you've packaged? I've packaged that I look at individuals, whether they're a generation or not, and I want to know what their natural abilities are. Okay. What I spot more often than known is that people are in a character that they shouldn't be in. Yes. And they're the ones that aren't successful. They're not successful because they're, they're not being themselves. They're not being themselves. Yeah. We talked about this with Lisa White. Yeah. You got to free free yourself to be yourself. You have to be. And you know, you meet some of the most amazing entrepreneurs out there. Oh my God, they're so comfortable in in their own skin. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they really are. And it doesn't mean they have a strong degree because one of my arguments in, in Trinity actually, uh, one of the big talks again was I was really focused on you don't have a degree if you don't have a degree it doesn't mean you're not worth it there are some of the most amazing people out there with the most innovative creativity look at the facebook's the amazons they've no degree and they've gone on and done it just because somebody hasn't got a degree there's factors to play for that maybe the parents can't afford to provide the degree for for their kids it doesn't mean that they don't want it and i think we look at a lot of people in sports we find a lot of trends that people go on to have sports more likely don't have a degree. But I've met some of the most talented people in sport that would outshine anybody that I've seen in organizations that, that have a degree. So you, you always hear about street smarts versus book smarts. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I kind of look at street smarts and versus book smarts and say, well, did book smarts come because someone read a book and they were good at school? And did street smarts come just from nature? Right. Or is there kind of a a mix of the two somewhere in between that makes sense? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I find, yeah, there's street smart and then there's trying to be too smart on the street. You know, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, I think people that have very strong morals and, and know who they are, no matter if they're street smart or book smart will be successful because they'll know how to communicate with people and communication is the biggest thing that you need Mm. to be successful. Yeah. You know, if I can go into a room like my old days and sit across from a 60-year-old man and do the biggest bit of, biggest bit of business ever and the youngest in the business, it's because I know how to communicate. And with you're being yourself when and you're I'm doing being it. being myself. Yes. Um, and he liked that. So if I'm able to call him by his first name, I'm guessing that's okay, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's about utilizing your own strengths and being comfortable in your skin will always give a ray of sunshine around you. People will trust you. People will realize you're authentic and you're you're not trying to be something that you're not. Yep. yep. I was in a room yesterday with a number of people who were getting onto a conference call for the first time with a big investor. And the message going out beforehand was, okay, suits and ties, everybody. I'm like, dude. On a phone. You're fintech. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, phone, but it was video chat. It was, oh, okay. it was a Zoom call, right? <laughs> and and But they were still like suits Aww. and ties. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Now, respect the event. 
Yeah. You know, I turned up just to make fun of everybody in a hoodie and jeans, right? Um, but I had my, you know, shirt and blazer to put on just in case it was needed. We get onto the onto the Zoom conference call. On the other side, people are wearing just like, you know, polo shirts, open neck shirts, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But we got a guy in a three-piece suit. Oh, bless. <laughs> he took his tie off. Oh. But I think there's still... And what I was saying was like, guys, listen... Um, for me to perform and me to be at my best, I got to be myself yeah. and me being myself isn't in a suit anymore. Beautiful. You know, I got to, I, you know, I want to feel like a rock star right now. I'm not going to be walking around in leather. <laughs> tomato, right? tomato. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, th- there's an element of that that I think we just need to introduce. And Lisa White, after she was on the podcast, she and I had an exchange and it was, um, somewhat influenced by, by other substances, um, that was about, uh, a bring yourself to work day. Right, <laughs> which was instead of bring your kids to work day or bring your dog to work day, it was bring yourself to work day. Brilliant, right? Yeah, and try to sponsor that for a charity. Yeah. Um, and um, I mentioned that to my wife, and Lisa White thought it was a fantastic idea, and we never we never followed up on it. But I mentioned to my wife, she's like. Some people are going to like be showing up in like football uniforms. Other people might be showing up in drag. You know exactly. Um, so probably not the right year yet to do that in Ireland. Definitely right. So um, we we kicked it under the rug. What year will that happen? If you had I a time think, machine. I I I predict in maybe next ten years. Okay. When the Generation Z realize that the only way to be successful is by knowing who they are. Yeah. What's happening is like every, if you think of like, you wake up in the morning, you pick up your iPhone. That's the first thing everybody does. Yeah. (laughs) Even I do it. Every time you pick up that iPhone, you have an opportunity to become whoever you want. So if you think of how many times that iPhone is in somebody's hands, are they really themselves? No. So this is is what we're finding that we, my job is getting tougher and tougher now because they have absolutely expertise when it comes to sitting across from me and wanting me to think that there's something else and only with my expertise and me asking questions and I would go "Mm, this person's really not comfortable and that's where I'm able to work with somebody individuals and say you know if you're a CEO of a business don't expect think that you're able to lead people well you don't even you're not even comfortable in your own skin no no I mean in my own skin do I need a bunch of people to like what I post on Twitter for to feel confident about what I'm doing to make the right decision no yeah you yeah. just do it, yeah. right? And I think it ties into then the chain, like the turnover of employees, because every new job gives you the opportunity to reinvent yourself to a new group of people. Beautiful, so absolutely beautiful. And think about how many kids today want to keep doing that. Like how many people will set up any multiple accounts on you Instagram? Know, oh, this one hasn't worked out the way I thought it would, so I'll just go somewhere else and yeah. it'll be better. This is it. And then you see Ireland itself saying a lot of our people are moving across broad and just it brings a lot of challenges, but. It just goes back to how hard it is for the kids today to even know where to start because they just want to desperately be something that they're not, which is non-reality. Mm-hmm. And all I want to do in the next few years is to try and create a reality and get people to be proud of who they are because that's what's going to create great successful people. And as well, like the, the people that generation look up to are people who appear to have made it easy. Oh, I'm so glad you said this. You know, yeah. like you look at the influencers, yeah. but like what they don't see is the stuff that goes on in the background. Uh, I was at the Dublin Tech Summit talk to hedge man Casey Neistat or whatever, the YouTuber. He's yeah. 8 billion views or some ridiculous right, number. Yeah. 
But like he talked about like the amount of work that he puts into like his videos and stuff in the background and Gary Vee would say the same. Like what they don't realize is these people are doing like 18 hour days in the background for what might be like a 30 second or two minute video that gets loads of views. You know, it's not just spontaneous. They don't just decide that this is how it works. It's well thought through. You know, it's, it's captivating the audience because it's, it's well, very, they're, they're, it's a business for them. Oh yeah. I, I was meeting with a, a social media expert a couple of days ago and he said for a new office, for a new startup, put GoPro cameras in the office and just film everything you do. And we could turn that into a really cool video. And it's just like you're saying, this is something that isn't just two minutes of video. It's stuff that will be going on hours. all the time, hours and hours just to capture that magical moment. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's not instantaneous. Absolutely. I mean, I do the same thing actually because I have a trick. With, I've got a two, I've got a two and a half year old, and just come back from holidays, and I put up a picture of her like being thrown in the air from my husband, and people say to me, "How did you catch that on the on the photo?" And I'm like, "Oh, guys, you got a video, and then you go into the video, and then yeah. you edit, and you get the shot." Yeah. You know, like even I started to do that. Yeah. Where, yeah. You know. A lot yeah. of people are no, no, to and the new that. iPhone thing—it's not that new anymore. Yeah. Where you get like the you get thirty different frames of that one picture you took, <laughs> and you just pick the best one. There you go. Right? Yeah. You know, easy peasy. It's not a reality though. No. Because back in the day, if you remember the disposable cameras, you were quite yeah. lucky to catch that shot. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like it's funny because I I haven't been on Facebook for like two and a half years, I'd say, mm-hmm. purely because I just can't stand the fakeness of. The, or the perception of people's lives that, you know, I'm on Instagram, but I kind of just have it because as part of this, we have Twitter and LinkedIn page as part of the kind of podcast. So yeah. I just felt there was a need to have something there. But, um, you know, and it's like my wife is kind of the same. Neither of us are on Facebook. I've been on it years. I've, I've no interest, but yet I do appreciate like my daughter's nearly 12 now. So like it's a, it's going to be a big deal in her life. <laughs> These sort of oh, things, yeah. you know, very yeah. soon. So yeah. I need to start like, understanding it again and the challenges and that she'll face like which is crazy you train yourself yeah because i have no interest yeah. but i know that it'll be a big part of her life yeah my my seven-year-old doesn't have a phone obviously has never been on social media but she loves emojis right so i was reading her a bedtime story last night with my five-year-old and my phone kept buzzing someone was trying to get a hold of me and i opened it up it was a text and the picture was completely child friendly and child safe but it was a picture you just couldn't believe it like a you know snake eating a python or whatever something like that. <laughs> alligator eating a python and so uh, she's like oh you have to respond i'm like no no i'll do it later she's like no no no. just put in that little face that goes like this that says like shocked hands up against your cheeks oh with your my. mouth wide open like you can't believe it oh like my oh my, i'm like jesus how did you, you she, like, she knew how to find it right away yeah. she's like uh that's graham or my my mother her grandmother that yeah. lets her play with her phone all the time whenever she's over so yeah she gets it right um, Scary you, 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 you talked about getting them when they're young, yep. right? Yep. And, and Generation Z. And um, I can't help to bring to mind with your competitive streak and your, your sporting past, present, and future probably, yep. um, a English Premiership Football Academy. Get them while they're young. Yep. Is there going to be an ex- Engage Smith Gen Z Academy? <laughs> Get them while they're young. Stay tuned. <laughs> I've actually just got into partnership okay. with a company called Soter Sports. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm going to head their well-being, and that's literally looking after the youths. Exactly what you just said. Awesome. Yeah. So wow. You you nailed okay, it. Okay, we're oh, on the right job, path. Pete. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Really excited about it. It's it's definitely an area that I've seen enough 
as I've gone and traveled the country and watched a few games and and I've really enjoyed getting back into it actually because it's definitely my my sporting background certainly come back out to it um but at the same time looking at it from an expertise view I just see a lot of things that need to change and um I'm just hoping that I can get in and prevent something serious coming out before it actually happens cool cool Okay, well, uh, we usually like to wrap up the show by asking about one thing people wouldn't expect to know about you. <laughs> An awful lot. <laughs> um, I think yeah, there's certainly a perception, because obviously I'm in the media, I'm in, I'm in the media quite a bit, um, is I'm actually quite a big softie. A lot of people don't think I am, because my topic is quite a hard topic. But underneath it all, what drives my topic is my compassion for people. I'm very, very soft. I'm a a little bit of a softy. Um, I certainly would do what I do for free, but I'm glad I get paid for it. That's that's what I would say. Aggressively compassionate. Yeah, too much. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. You wonderful. Know, oh, but your, your kids are in good hands. If I can get to the places your kids are going, they're certainly going to be in good okay, hands. Okay, well, let us know. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you mine. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough great. there between us. I know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for being on the show. No, it was great talking pleasure. to you. Thank you, Lisa. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Awesome. Wish you all the best. Thanks. Thanks. We'd like to thank Lisa for opening up her mind for the 14th episode of Money Never Sleeps, a podcast brought to you by Owen Fitzgerald and me, Pete Townsend, and sponsored by Top Tier Recruitment. Please subscribe to Money Never Sleeps on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review. We love the feedback. Also, check out our website for more at moneyneversleeps.ie or drop us a line on info at moneyneversleeps.ie if you're an entrepreneur with a story to tell. We'd also like to thank the team at Create Sound for recording and editing this podcast, and thanks to Dogpatch Labs for their unwavering support of the startup community in Dublin. Till next time, thanks for listening. See ya!